Welcome to This Week in Local, a Locology podcast featuring lively conversations about the local digital ecosystem, hosted by Locology analysts Mike Bolin and Charles Lachlan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Local. I'm Charles Lachlan, Senior Analyst with Locology, joined by my co-host, Mike Boland. Mike, how's it going? Hi, doing well. Great, great. So, Mike, what are you working on this week? Sure. So last week, as you may remember, and as some of our listeners may remember, um, we covered basically part one of a two-part series, which was about sort of big tech AI integration. And this is based on a few different sort of developer events that have happened over the last few weeks from both Google and Microsoft. So we covered Google last week. Now moving on to Microsoft, it's Build Conference. They did some uh, interesting sort of AI announcement that, that really build on a lot of the things that they've already done. As, as you remember, Charlie, Microsoft has really sort of been quicker to the punch, at least in terms of go-to-market products with the latest flavors of AI, including generative AI and conversational AI, the most high profile move of them being its sort of integration of chat GPT into the Bing browser um, with a sort of, um, it branded that as Bing chat, right? Um, so at the build conference, it, it built on that in a number of different ways. So, so the most sort of um, prominent announcement was that it's taking that sort of Bing chat integration within the Bing browser and expanding it to other products and endpoints throughout the sort of Microsoft productivity universe. Um, and that includes Microsoft 365. So of course, the programs we all know and love and use, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, there weren't a lot of details, but presumably this means that sort of a chatbot functionality sort of takes over where it previously had sort of search and help to sort of find functions within those programs, help you build a resume, you know, that this is where you insert the clippy joke. Uh, but essentially it's it's basically powering those, um, those longstanding flagship office products with a sort of chat GPT uh, integration. Um, now, in addition to that, it's doing something similar. Again, this is just integrations and extensions of, of Bing chat throughout the, the Microsoft product world. It's also doing the same in Windows 11. So it's this basic same chatbot functionality, but integrated sort of at lower levels of the software stack, integrated into the OS itself. So that brings that same use case to sort of system functions. You know, what program should I use to design a logo? Where should I go to find this? It's basically as advertised or as its name implies, it's sort of a co-pilot for the user to sort of guide them along um, in, in like everything they do at the OS level. Um, another um, sort of AI um, announcement at, at, at the Build Conference was uh, plugins. So it's, it's sort of opening up Bing Chat for a number of third parties to sort of build their own sort of spin on that. So a few examples of that are its early partners like OpenTable and Instacart, Klarna's one of them, Zillow. So if you can imagine, they're basically building these sort of Bing Chat-like um, flavors that are just sort of vertically oriented, integrating their own data to create these sort of, um, you know, vertically focused chatbot experiences on top of Bing Chat. Um, moving down the list of AI integrations, um, another, I'll end on this one. It's doing something interesting where, as you know, Charlie, there's been a lot of sort of backlash against AI. One of the sort of points of backlash, not necessarily like the 
the the robot uprising and just more of that dystopian stuff but more near term the like how will we tell whether something is generated by ai um you know that it it leads to things like misinformation and plagiarism so at least within the, the the domain it can control which again is bing chat microsoft is announcing this sort of ai media detection function so that you know whenever anything is is generated um, in its Bing image creator, um, or whenever that piece of generated artwork goes on to live somewhere else, it carries a sort of piece of metadata that announces itself as having been AI generated. So it's sort of trying to preempt or or, or fight that that battle that again is getting a lot of uh, backlash. So anyway, I'll, I'll put a period there, just sort of a, a sampling of their their announcements that right. sort of push the ball forward for for AI at Microsoft. Now, I'm curious about a couple things. One is, um, how is AI moving Bing forward? You know, is Bing a bigger deal now as a result of all these AI moves they've made? Or is it still in the same spot it's always been? Yeah, I think so. And, and certainly it's press attention over the last month and a half. Um, you know, after it was announced that it integrated ChatGPT and it and it was quicker to the punch in terms of any AI integration compared to Google, um, you know, it, it saw sort of a blip in its market share. Google has always had the commanding market share in terms of like search query volume. That's usually how that's measured. Um, and Google in mobile is in like the 90% on desktop. I think it's a little bit lower. But anyway, um, you know, Bing has been able to show, you know, a meaningful, if if still somewhat small, uh, jump in just a short period. So maybe that's sort of a a I don't know, um, somewhat of a teaser or or at least something that got Microsoft execs excited to continue doubling mm-hmm. down to continue to chip away at Google's market share. So I think it's a it's it's PR, but it's also some measurable, meaningful um, jumps in in Bing use. Right. Because I know last time we talked about how Google is starting to think about how to monetize, yep. you know, through chat, through through AI chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw Microsoft's president on a weekend news show. I forgot which one. Doesn't matter. And we sort of asked, you know, where is this going, et cetera? How is this going to be, you know, valuable to consumers? And he used a very local search example of you're fine. You're, you're doing a restaurant reservation and you can handle it all through this interface, you know, through AI chat. And I thought that was interesting that it was a very low, you know, kind of right in our wheelhouse example of yeah, making yeah. a restaurant reservation. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just what was in his head or if that's really where this is going, you know, yeah. as far as. To, to the monetization point, as, as we talked about last week, Everyone is looking to Google and Microsoft for that example to like monetize AI in in a sort of traditional sense, as in monetizing it directly. Um, and, and everyone is asking the question of if AI is going to degrade Google's position because it's going to sort of upend its traditional search engine results page. You know, instead of the ten blue links, you're getting like just answers to questions. And I think that's looking at it wrong. I think both companies are integrating in AI, AI in like a thousand little ways, right? That continue to just like add value, make their products better and make them more, you know, sustainable as products, increase their retention rates. Like the examples I gave for Microsoft just now, if it's able to make office products more sticky or Bing more sticky, 
um, it just gains users. And then that ends up being monetized downstream through just greater ARPU metrics or retention or, or other things. So it's, it's not like a direct monetization, but I think it's just a, a product improvement, product evolution type of play, which, of course, you can draw a line from that to revenue. Okay. So let's shift gears, and I, I want to talk about something that you mentioned Klarna earlier, which uh, is, I mean, you mentioned it a little while ago, so it's not really a segue, but it kind of points to what I wanted to talk about, which is the fact that buy now, pay later, which we write about a lot, we covered a lot. It's that form of payments where you buy a pair of shoes and you pay it over four installments into the future. Uh, it's been marketed as an alternative to credit, but it's been criticized as a hidden form of credit by regulators, consumer advocates, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the regulation that the industry has long feared or whatever anticipated is now coming home. And Australia, which is kind of ground zero for buy now, pay later, many of the BNPL firms uh, originated there, Afterpay being one of the biggest ones, they're now regulating it as a credit product. So now it's under the Credit Act of Australia and uh, buy now, pay later providers. If they want to operate in Australia, they need to register through the agency that regulates credit and they need to do things like, you know, have more transparency, do credit checks and so on and so on. And apparently this is going to be the model for legislation in the UK, the US. Uh, and we're, apparently companies like Klarna and Block are putting lobbying resources, particularly in the UK, against this. So they, they see it as an impediment to their ease of doing business going forward. So so buy not pay later, you know, which had been sort of seen as, you know, the debit version of taking out a loan in a sense, you're paying with cash going forward. Um, but you pay late fees if you miss a payment. You know, there's there's other things where there's sort of hidden interest and others like a firm, they charge actual interest. At least they're more upfront about it. Um so it's really a, kind of been a sort of stealth credit product. Uh, that's yeah. at least been the regulatory criticism of it. So we'll see, you know, if these regulations kind of spread around the world and if it really starts to put any constraint on the growth of BNPL, which has been growing like a weed despite some of the really uh, well-publicized criticisms. Uh, I saw something, Dave Ramsey, the, you know, the personal finance guru, the, your, your grumpy dad, you know, on who tells you to you know stop doing these stupid financial things. He basically said, buy now, pay later is a good way to stay broke, you know, yeah. which is something he would say, of course, right. you know, maybe a little hard on them, but um, I think, you know, that, that kind of sediment is starting to sink in and now the regulators are following suit. So we'll yeah. see what happens. It's interesting. This reminds me of something that I'm always surprised by, which is I'm surprised when any company can successfully operate on a global basis. And obviously it's done mm -hmm. all the time by Fortune 500 companies. Right. But I mean, one example is uh, Meta was just forced to basically divest Giphy, not because of a market move, but because it was facing antitrust scrutiny in one particular market, which was the UK. And mm -hmm. you have to sort of have the stars align in a regulatory sense across all of these markets. And you just you know, fighting all of these fires at once. So it's right. interesting too, with something like BNPL, where there's not a lot of precedent or established case law. Um, and, and they're, they're sort of, you know, and maybe that's an advantage because the law hasn't caught up with it. But among the many other factors that are sort of catching up with BNPL, we've talked about this too. I mean, it's sort of ticking time bomb in terms of like their value proposition. It's, it's, 
it shines in different sort of cyclical financial macro environments. They have that, they have the regulation. So it seems like they're up against a lot. Yeah, they are. And and they counter with a number of things. For example, at uh, the L23 conference, we had Mike Cohen from Block Square, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They acquired Afterpay and basically through their cash app, person peer-to-peer, you know, money transfer app, uh, buy now, pay later is embedded in that, you know, and mm. which is a perfect consumer application because, you know, these sort of Venmo cash app type applications are very popular with younger consumers, as is buy now, pay later. He basically said, we have a 1% or sub 1% default rate. You huh. know, we don't really yeah. have a problem. And I mean, he didn't say those words exactly, but he did point out to a very low default rate. And the industry just basically says that, you know, that without saying it quite this directly, that you're searching for a problem that doesn't exist with buy now, pay later. It's actually mm-hmm. a friend, consumer friendly way to make payments. And it can be if it's handled responsibly. Question is, has it been handled responsibly? You know, it, it, it's been pretty easy to have multiple BNPL accounts across different providers yeah. without much interop, without much uh, transparency among them. I think that's something that's been uh, acknowledged and, and worked on. But that's, you know, there's a lot of holes in this thing. Yeah. So if there's no real problem there in that sense, is the sort of the beef that that regulators have more about this is instilling bad financial, personal finance habits among young people? I mean, is that the biggest thing they're sort of well, propping up? It's still, it's debt. It's yeah, debt. Yeah. And it's, it, I think the big overarching critique is that this is contributing to an overall debt bubble among young, yeah. particularly among younger consumers. You know, maybe uh, Dave Ramsey would probably say it's, it's fostering or reinforcing bad habits. I don't think that's necessarily what the regulators are saying. What they're saying is it's credit being disguised as something else. Let's treat it for what it is. And regulate it accordingly. Uh, that's basically the argument. But I think the underlying concern is that it's creating this debt bubble, particularly among younger consumers. I think mm-hmm. that's the consumer advocate concern here. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, it, it you know keeps plugging away. Now, buy now, pay later is anytime you make a payment, it seems to be embedded in everything. You know, yeah. Uh, if you make a digital yep. payment, I mean, Apple's in the business now. You know. Um, it's kind yeah, it of baked to, into I'm, everything now. I'm seeing it more in the sort of checkout flow of any right. e-commerce transaction. It's that that's an option. Klarna's on there in the list of options. It's pay with PayPal, pay with credit card, and Klarna, the Klarna button is on there. So they've done well oh, embedding yeah. themselves. Now back uh, to the sort of headwinds that they're facing. Yeah. One thing that this could point to, which we often see with these sort of emerging markets that then sort of face headwinds, whether they be open market headwinds or regulatory headwinds, is that you start to see consolidation because they're right. scooped up by larger players that have the deeper pockets to sort of fight those fires. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw quite a bit of that. I think some of that, you know, was sort of pre the fintech bust of last year, I guess it was last year when, you know, the chickens came home to roost with with venture yeah. funding. Uh Fintech was hit particularly hard and BNPO was hit particularly hard. Uh, Klarna raised a lot of money and its valuation just tanked. Yeah. Um, we've seen stocks not perform particularly well in this space. So I think there's a lot of consolidation that's already happened. Um, a company called Zipco in Australia, Ground Zero, uh, did a lot of roll-ups, particularly in emerging markets. Um, and I think we'll see more uh, consolidation, but you know, this, there's money is still flowing. Uh, a company in the Middle East called Tabby, 
based in the Gulf region, you know, Saudi Arabia, UAE, et cetera. Buy now, pay later is huge in that part of the world. And this company, Tabby, which leads in that part of the world, raised $350 million this week. Hmm. So, you know, consumers are still coming in. Uh, fun, uh, investors are still coming in. Uh, the, the, the integrations are still happening. But now the regulators are coming in, too. Yeah. So. Now, speaking of all these global markets, I was wondering, why Austra Why is Australia like the spawn point? I don't know. I mean, I wish I had a good answer for you, but I think maybe the idea originated there. Okay. Uh, Nick Molnar, who founded Afterpay, which eventually was acquired by Square Block, uh, is, you know, is Australian. Uh, hmm. You know, I think it may just have been sort of where it kind of originated. And eventually um, Afterpay moved to the U.S. to be closer to the sources of venture capital and other reasons one moves to Silicon Valley from anywhere. Um you know, but I, I don't know. I, I think maybe there's a particular consumer makeup there that made it uh, particularly appealing to Australian consumers. But I think it, it originated there. So it got its start there. And then I think it uh, probably what Afterpay did spawned a lot of competitors mm -hmm. and they started expanding across the world as Afterpay has, as Zip has. Um, yeah. It's, yeah and, some... You know, so it's been there longest and it's, it was the first to attract regulatory scrutiny. Sometimes these things are just end up being some silly non-business based answer. Like uh, Scott Galloway famously predicted Amazon's next headquarters when everyone was guessing about that about two years ago because um, Jeff Bezos has a, a large piece of property and second right. home in the D.C. area. So right. that ended up being the right. The, Is there the a spot. harbor big enough to park my yacht? You yeah. Know yeah. I mean? <laughs> so those are sometimes yeah. the answers to these questions, oddly enough. Oddly enough. Okay, yeah. why don't we just end it there, Mike, and um, why don't you read us out? Sure. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been This Week in Local. Stay tuned every week for more episodes. You can find the show on all major podcast networks and find out more at locology.com. Please subscribe, like, and comment. So I'm Mike Boland with Charles Lachlan, our producer is Dara Sweat. So thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Locology's This Week in Local with Mike Boland and Charles Lachlan. Be sure to subscribe for more.